Lots of news in the NHL to get to today, and also we'll start talking about the blue line a little bit for uh, the upcoming season, and also what we saw last season, Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yokihari. We're starting with the big guns on the back the back end here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Jody DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin. Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We're up. We're brought to you today by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jody Biasi. Sneaky Joe Sports, joined as always by Jordan Hanskin at JR Hanskin, rocking the Bills hat today. Got to represent. It's been, it's been a it's been a fun little summer here, right? There's not a lot going on though in Buffalo sports overall. No, yeah, this is like I Bad feel this way. With, I think good teams are not as interesting as not good teams. Oh sure, um, usually like I think like so like the Bills are at their. Theoretically, they're least interesting, even though they might have their best team in the history mm-hmm. of the franchise. Um, because you you know they're going to be good. And it gets interesting come January, right? Sure. Like, I mean, the, we're, we're racing for the bye, but like yeah. the regular season itself is not interesting compared to the Sabres. Whereas like, I think the Sabres offseason is fascinating. Um, sure. But we're in the waiting time right now which stinks like we don't we're getting like theories oh they're gonna get suban they're gonna get this guy (laughs) and it's it's all like it's all conjecture and it's just like oh that makes sense that makes a lot of sense but we're not there yet um which which is annoying but i'm excited for july and what the offseason is gonna bring but it is kind of boring right now um stanley cup looks like it's gonna be a great series um, but are you you're happy, right? That even if you're rooting for Colorado, I think everybody is collectively uh, an exhale of okay, we're gonna get a series, and Colorado's not just gonna steamroll them. Yeah. So my interesting thing about this is my brother bet on Colorado in midseason to win the cup, mm-hmm. and he's wondering he was we were having a debate on when he should hedge, like when would it be most opportune to hedge? Yeah. And he was saying that he was going to do it after game two. If the Lightning oh, were man. down two. I think you got to ride. It's too late. I would have maybe done it after, man, sometime in the conference finals, maybe I would have done it. I feel like at this point, you got to think they're going to win it all. So you just got to ride it out. I know. I I was telling him to wait till game seven or wait until, wait until the Lightning have a chance to win in a game. Like they could win it in a cup. Like they could win the cup that day. Yeah. Because if you truly believe Colorado is going to win, you don't want to hedge, and you don't want to hedge, and then you lose your maximum output. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it was looking, it was looking like Colorado could win in five. They still could win in five. Um, so it's yeah. But I do think like if the, if the the Avs somehow went down three two, I think you have to hedge that. What would you do about right now? Would you would you predict in six? You'd still be on Colorado if you got even odds on everything. You'd probably pick Colorado. Part of me uh, thinks in six. Are, part of me thinks the Lightning are going to win. Wow, they, they are. They have they solved them. 
And they just <laughs> they, smoke. They just they won't die. They won't die. They that I heard a joke today that uh, if if you kill John Cooper, you better be sure to go to the funeral and kill him again. <laughs> because well, the lightning just won't die ever. I love the, I love the quote from Cooper where he's just like, "Game ones are always our worst because mm-hmm. we don't we don't see their tendencies, and then they figure them out, and they're like, oh, now we mm-hmm. have you.' <laughs> like, he's out. He's 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 giving himself the credit there with that quote, saying, "I I just need a little time very, to coach yeah. him." He is an awesome coach, though. Yeah. Do you think that he'll go down? He might go down as one of the best. I think a lot of people on that team should go down as one of the best ever. I think the guy that's not even there anymore, Steve Eiserman, should go down as one of the best GMs ever. I think Cooper should go down as one of the best coaches ever. And I think a third cup, if they're able to do it, which is still it's plus odds right now, uh, Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman. Do you think of Stamkos that way? I don't, but shouldn't we? Like, shouldn't we? Championship DNA, captain guy. <laughs> he doesn't play all that much of these like games. I I felt I, like like how many how many Stanley Cup games how many playoff games has he missed? The he past? there was the one year where he came back. I think actually he only played the one game and he scored on his first shift mm-hmm. uh, in the finals. That, that was legendary. That was maybe the first one against. Um, Oh, who was that? Who was that against? Was that against? I don't know. I don't have it. Um, but no, shouldn't he get that credit? I mean, he's he was with well, them among like two. the dynasty captains, right? So it's like, what is it like Mike Bossy? Like, how about Taze? Shouldn't he be above Taze all time? He's above? if he's gonna have the same amount of cups and he's a better player regular season. That is undoubtedly true. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's fine. Like. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's he's a Hall of Famer, right? Stamkos. Oh, for that that's for sure. Yeah. 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 So all four of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Like Hedman Hedman is is how close is he to being the best defenseman of this generation? Ooh. Uh like who's a, who's on our list? Is it like Chris Letang? Is it like Letang? Is Chara too old for this? Chara. Is Chara the previous generation? Chara's good. Like the Blackhawks, I felt like it, was like it was like a group, right? Like, uh, Keith and Seabrook were great, but like it was like it was the whole it was the whole unit. He might be there. He might be there, honestly. Uh you're right, by the way. Stamkos missed all but two minutes and forty seven seconds of the Dallas finals. Uh, but in the two minutes and 47 seconds he played in that in that series, he did score a goal um, in an important one, I think. But he didn't play the series. Then the next year against Montreal, he did play the whole series. And then this year, obviously, against Colorado, he's played the whole series. So, yeah, two-time Stanley Cup, and that's if they win it. So he has one to his, to his name right now as being on the ice as the captain. But the, the championship DNA leadership type of credit that, like, Jonathan Taze gets – I don't know. Should we assign that to Stamkos? My wonder on that actually, Jordan has been, I wonder if his style hurts him and his reputation in that Ooh. regard. Because when you think of like the great leaders of NHL history, you don't think of pure goal scorers and like that Stamkos game. Like he's a pure goal scorer. I agree. I think that that definitely hurts them. Like all these captains, you have Taze, you have 
and Messier. Bergeron, one of the best like defensive forwards of sure, our, yeah, Selkie guys, Selkie guys. Um, even Ryan O'Reilly's like that, right? Like Ryan yeah. O'Reilly was like a de- defensive guy. Um, Dustin Brown when he was the captain of the Kings, like it's, um, yeah, you're right. Like the only one I can think of is Ovechkin, that like that fits Ovechkin. that. But Ovechkin's like the stat stuffer extraordinaire. So it's um so yeah I don't think Stamkos is Ovechkin level, um but he is like he's leading a dynasty team, um and I think that 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 matters. Um, I found it interesting his comments after the the game where they got clobbered. He's like, "This is in our team's DNA." It's like, kind of how would you know? Right. <laughs> you miss a lot of games, but um yeah I'm, I think that's uh it's gonna be a great cup final because the abs the abs are the better team but the lightning they're just yeah if you gotta this is one of those if you want to be the best you got to beat the best at their best type yes. type series um which i think it might end up if i hope it goes seven because i think it could end up as one of the best like one of those matchups you look back 20 years down the line like what a great series that was yeah because it's rare in hockey where you get the two best uh, That's yeah, for sure. I mean, heck, Montreal played last year. Yeah, right. This is way it's so much better than last yeah, year. Yeah, even is, this is what you want every year. It's like, oh, I this is the, this is the matchup I want. Right, and we finally got one. So, a couple other newsworthy things in the league since we spoke last. Uh, John Tortorella's back. Torts Love behind it. the bench in Philly. Is that just a match he made in heaven? Be, he has to be around. Like he, we need him. We need him. It isn't Philly. Philly. Philly's just a perfect spot for him, isn't it? Oh my gosh, he's gonna be so mad at the Penguins all the time. It's oh. Gonna be great. oh, there's pampered, pampered stars over there. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be great. Why can't Risto line and punch him in the head? Why oh no, he's gonna love Risto. He's gonna play the hell out of Risto. Thirty <laughs> minutes a night is coming his way. Oh, um, this is such a typical Flyers move, though, right? Like they, Who they, they said the it. What flyer is going to hate him the most? Um, they don't really have a lot of those guys. I guess Provorov, but they don't have a lot is of Kevin the... Hayes going to hate him. No, the, the, a lot of their guys are big, physical, two-way, gritty guys. I feel like that fits for Tortorella. It fits for Tortorella. I think the Flyers fit. If I were the Flyers, I think it's ridiculous <laughs> that they're bringing in Tortorella and they're going to try to win next year. They need a rebuild. Pronto, they need to rebuild. They're the Flyers. They don't rebuild. That's That's, that. They've even said that. They've said we're the Flyers. We don't rebuild. So (laughs) for that part of it, I guess I get it because, yeah, that's a good question. Like, who's the guy on the team that like you would expect he's not going to get along with? He'll find. Uh, They don't have like a one-dimensional offensive guy like that. Honestly, the one guy that I was everyone's been assuming is going to go to Philly because he's from there is Johnny Goudreau who's a free agent. And if I'm Johnny Goudreau, I might go, Whoa, hold on a second. I might not want to go there after all, because that's not going to work well for me. Is it? Would he want to take a blank check from the Buffalo Sabres? 15 million for one year. What he's, who says no, I don't want one year. He's got, no, if we're giving him 15 mil, I want three, 15 million, 15 million. Yeah. Uh, I mean, three year deal. Three out of him. Yeah. Because I mean, we're not, we're not going to be up by the cap. For a long, for a while, <laughs> like I, yeah, right. Like you could, you could manage long time. I like you draw like. <laughs> well, and that actually leads me to the, our third section of the news section today. This happened last week. We haven't spoken since. 
the Sabres made a trade. They send uh, nothing, future considerations, to Dallas. They acquire the contract of Ben Bishop. That's $5 million and change on their cap to help them reach the floor. They get a seventh-round pick in return. I guess the question about the Bishop trade for me is, does it do anything for you in regards to the Sabres' aggressiveness? So for, does the Bishop trade make you feel any stronger or maybe less strong about how aggressive the Sabres will be in free agency? Um, I think I've, I talked to you about this. I think that it's, um, it's like very concerning to me. Like, I think, I think that it's, um, it makes me nervous about their aggressiveness. I know they still have to be. So like, I'm not overly worried, but I know their goal now to me is I want to get to the floor and that's it. Like find a way to the floor. And I don't like, well, I get it. And I think it's, it probably is unwise to be like this crazy spender in free agency. Um, you know, I was, I'm optimistic about this team. And I think that there's a lot of potential here. Um, now a lot of things have to go right for that to come to fruition, fruition, but Mm -hmm. like, I do think that they have, they have an opportunity and with with Boston trending down and stuff like that, like they have an opportunity to make something happen. And I don't want them to just be satisfied with getting to the floor by any means necessary, taking on a bunch of dumb contracts um, for mm-hmm. seventh, for a seventh. I think that's ridiculous. Now, if you want to take Shea Weber's and get a first, then yeah, I'll do that. Or like a, yeah, or a second, like sign me up for that. But it's like, I, th- I found this trade to be pointless. Like I hmm. thought it was, I thought it was just very, very useless. And well, like, and it, I, all it did is get us closer to the floor without getting a player to help us. And well, that I, I don't want them to make a massive habit of doing that. Even yeah, though I get, it, I get it. I do get it. I think, I think the reason why the price was so low and you've seen this with other trades, like the Coyotes have done this a billion times where they trade for a guy to help them reach the floor. And often the guys you see go for a heavy price, like Andrew Ladd, for instance, are the guys that can still play. The guys that, by when if you do want to, then Bishop's a one-year deal, so he doesn't fit this perfectly. But when you do want to get good, then you're going to have him on your books, and that's going to hurt. David, uh, David Clarkson is a guy that was this for Columbus a long time ago. And it's somebody that's going to have to eat a spot in your lineup. And the Sabres don't want that. The guys that, you know, might cost a second round or get you a second round pick are the guys that can't go on long-term injured reserve and they have to be on your team. And I don't want that. If I'm the Sabres, I would rather, if they're going to take on cap dumps, I'd almost say screw the second round pick. I I want the roster spot. I'd rather have the guys that aren't going to play. And to me, that's Bishop. It's helping you get to the cap floor and we'll see. I hope, I am only saying this though, in the, with the idea that they're still going to make moves in free agency, that if they're still going to try to sign a PK Subban or uh, Ethan bear from Philadelphia or New Jersey, who is going to become available now, right shot defenseman or Jack Campbell. I want them to do that. If this means they're not going to do that, then I don't like it. But if they're going to chase those guys and they are going to strike out, then they're going to need to add salary. And I think, I'm for it's more important for me to make sure you're adding salary with guys that aren't taking spots away from the kids than worrying about I'm getting a second or a third round pick back. So that that's where I'm at with the Bishop trade. I did they get what they should have? Absolutely not. 
But the use, I would think, is you're accomplishing two things. You're helping yourself reach the cap floor without eating up a roster spot for, like, Lukanen, for instance. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's probably right. Um, I'm probably, like, a little bit too, like, gun-shy with it. Um, but let's do the but, math now. Like, I, I don't want the habit. I don't, I don't like the idea of just being like, let's just take on $21 million of people that, like, are never going to play hockey again. Yeah, but, but let's let's do the math now real quick. So they have fifteen million dollars in space, give or take. The floor is going to be sixty-one million, and that's with the Bishop contract. They have Victor Olofsson to pay. It's going to be like five million dollars ish, and then they've got like three or four entry-level contracts that they'll need to put in the lineup. Jack Quinn, if we count him, that's a million. Paterka is a million. Uh, Bryson or uh, Casey Fitzgerald is a million. So they're going to end up with like 7 million still, 6, 7 million that they need to spend, at least by the simple math of it. Maybe the number is a little bit less than that. And they they could spend really as much as they want. 7 million, the, I'm not ruling out they chase someone in free agency because they still have to, they have to sign at least one guy, I think, that's, that's of a decent size contract. I, I just want to say, I'm not saying, that, I'm not ruling out or I'm not saying the Sabres will do nothing. I don't think they'll do nothing because I don't think the math works to do nothing. I think you still have to do at least one thing. And we could debate whether that should be goalie, whether that should be right shot defenseman or like another centerman, but they're going to do at least one thing. I'm very confident of that in free agency. One thing at least. Okay. I That's mean, I think though they could do like, they could get a one forward, one defenseman and one goalie. They and still could. be yep. still be like thirty mil below the cap. <laughs> yes, and right. be a competitive hockey team. Like I think if they if they they could be smart with this and spend more than probably anybody else in free agency, and still like and like really bolster their chances to take the Bruins playoff spot. Yes, like I uh, think I think like if you sign if you told me they signed Jack Campbell, PK Subban, and Andre Burakovsky, I would say like. The Sabres look like pretty close to a playoff team if all those hit. And they don't even need to hit that well. They just have to be like a little bit maybe like Burkowski just needs to be the same and Subban and Campbell just need to be maybe a little bit better than what they were. Sure. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on past that. Lots of time to talk free agency. Free agency, by the way, is July 13th. So we have the draft on uh, July 7th and then free agency July 13th. So it is approaching. We'll talk plenty more about that. Uh, talk about the blue line a little bit when we come back, though. Look back on the seasons that were for Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Okiharu and look ahead with uh, maybe two of the most important young defensemen for Buffalo. That's coming up here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. As always, we are brought to you by BetOnline, BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, latest sports developments. There's Stanley Cup odds. You can bet the Sabres at plus 10,000 to win the Stanley Cup. Same odds Love as the it. Blackhawks and the Red Wings. Uh, that's available for you. There's no more NHL awards props because that happened uh, today or yesterday. So that's out. But a lot of football betting. You can bet on the Bills. I was looking today, Bills exact Super Bowl matchup. I kind of like the uh, the Eagles for that. Not just because my brother's an Eagles fan. That's because the odds are astronomical. But uh, we'll talk about that another time. We don't have time on the podcast right now. But anyways, you could bet that if you wanted to. BetOnline.net. Uh, check it out. All your sports wagering information. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Jody Biasi, Jordan Hanskin on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Been running through the roster and what they did last year and looking ahead to what they're going to do next year, what we think they're going to do. We've done all the forwards. Let's get to the blue line. Start on the right side, Henry Yoki Haru, uh, and then we'll get to Rasmus Dahlin on today's show. Yoki Haru, that is maybe one of the more disappointing stories of the 2021-2022 season in terms of a team that saw almost everybody take steps forward, but Yoki Haru seemingly took a step back. Now, partially, that was probably because the quality of matchup, the quality of opponent that he saw skyrocketed. With Risto gone, he went from playing the other team's second or third lines to he was playing the other team's top line almost on a nightly basis. And he didn't handle it great, but I guess that's an excuse for why he didn't handle it great. So where are we at? Where are you at with Yoki Haru? Where I would at in a quick summary before I let you go is I was very optimistic and very hopeful that he was a top pair defenseman after his first season with the Sabres. And now I'm still hopeful, but I'm more reserved in my expectations. Okay. I think that he, I mean, comparing to his stats, like statistically he's about a little bit better, but I, I get what you're like. I'm just looking at like the basic ones. Now, like goals, assists, and stuff like that. Like, I agree with you. Like, I don't think he he didn't stand out as much to me. Like, the the couple years before, like I was like, wow, that guy's really strong in his own end. Like, for a twenty one year old, like, wow, we traded Alex Nylander for this. Like, I'm pretty good with that. Um, but yeah, like I I think I would call last year kind of forgettable if I had to put yeah. it in a in a in a word. Um. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that bad. Like, I think he still could be, you know, like Darlene's guy or Owen Powers' like pair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that that's totally unreasonable for him. But um, yeah, yeah. Like, could there be a right-handed shot that's better? Yes. Um, but like, but, but is for you? <clears throat> excuse me. For you, is he one of the two top four right shot defensemen? Going forward? I would say yes. Yeah, I think he is. Um, He's 23. He's young. He's still young. (laughs) He's very young. Um, So I wanted to, like, add that for context, too. Like, I think that there's still room to grow. Um, And I think you're right. Like, I think that might have been, like, the, wow, they're asking a lot more of him. There's going to be growing pains with that. Um, That's what I'm hoping. Um, I think that if anything that the Sabres have been decent at lately is like developing. Um, mm. Like especially with Granado, like I think a lot of guys took strides under Granado and Yogi Haru might've been one of those guys that maybe he's like, Oh yeah, I'm good. Like I don't need to work on much. And then this year came and he's like, Oh, I got to get a lot better. Um, so like, I'm not expecting a Tage Thompson leap. Um, but I do think that there's a chance that he could be like, like they'd say, all right, uh, Henry, you got to work on this, 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 and this. Um, and I don't think he's, he doesn't seem to me like the type of guy that's going to be like, ah, I don't need to do that. I'm good. He seems like the type of guy that would be ready to, ready to put the work in and get better. Because I think what Tage Thompson has shown, which makes me always like far more optimistic about this stuff, is that like you can just get better at age 23. Or 22 like it is totally fair even if you've played in the nhl for four years 
Like you could you could easily improve your game um, by putting the work in. Um, so nobody's a finished product at that age, and I think that he can he can get better. I like him as one of their top four right shot defensemen. Also, I guess that's a little bit dependent on if they do plan to bring in a Subban type guy because that could push him to the third pair. If Darlene's going to continue to play on the right side on his offside, and I like that idea, I like Darlene continuing to play on his offside. So if they do that and they sign Subban, then suddenly your top four is Samuelson, Darlene, uh, Power, and Subban, or someone like Subban, Ethan Bear, whoever. Um, and that wouldn't be a terrible thing because Yoki Haru, I think, at this stage should probably be in the bottom four playing less than 20 minutes a night. Last year, man, like the the, the advanced numbers, is, they were not good. I mean, the wins above replacement, uh, his war percentage was near 0%. Uh, the expected goals for went down from 49% his first sa- season with the Sabres to 47 two years ago and then 45 last year. Um, but he is still young. I like the passing ability that he has. It's his number one quality, It's which is good to have in today's NHL, is that that tape-to-tape pass through the neutral zone. I still think he possesses that ability. He's never going to wow you physically or with offense, but I think just a steady Eddie defenseman that plays 17 to 20 minutes a night is still something I would like to count on uh, from him going forward. But his role next year, I think, will be dependent on whether or not the Sabres bring in a higher profile uh, player on the right side of the blue line. So that's Henry Okiharu. We'll take a timeout, talk a little bit about Rasmus Dahlin. We talk about him all the time. So we'll just do a quick synopsis of him when we come back before we wrap things up here on Lockdown Sabres. Um, want to encourage you. Actually, we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Lockdown podcast even better the opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Lockdown Podcast. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for the help. Jody Biasi, Jordan Hanskin, back here on the Lockdown Sabres Podcast. Check us out anywhere you may be listening, including watch us on YouTube. Hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin. We talked a lot about him. This is the fun part of the show today because he had a great season, a giant step forward. Uh, the advanced numbers were really strong. Corsi four percentage of 50.1%. The expected goals for number of 46.7%. A little bit of a tumultuous beginning of the season that really stabilized over the second half of the year, maybe around even just before the all-star break. Um, to your eyes, did the numbers tell the whole story? And I think I know the answer because we've talked about him a million times since the season. But it, it, it felt like this was the jump we were waiting for from from Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, I think he the like I just think he played with a lot of confidence. Um, I think that that was the the standout thing for me. I think uh, the years prior, like he was definitely shaky, um, and I think that this year more than any other. I think that he really felt like he was in control, um, which was exciting to see. And he was tasked to do a lot of weird stuff. Um, he played he played right handed right right side defense um, for a decent part of the season, um, which I actually thought looked pretty awesome. Um, and he said he loved it there. So like I think he gives us like so much more. Um, he showed us a ton that he can do that he is truly that versatile defenseman that gets picked number one. Um, 
and like I think he yeah I think he's he's the engine for this team really like where you have like guys like Tage Thompson that was a bright huge bright spot um you know our offense was like clicking with that group him and Skinner and all that but make no mistake the most valuable player on this team is Rasmus Dowling and he's he's the deciding factor really when it comes down to it like can the Sabres make the playoffs like well Dowling if Dowling can help get us there like that that's how that's how it'll be done um yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dowling is like Norris Trophy candidacy if the Sabres get everything they want to get yeah um, yeah that would be uh that would be huge because power is coming and if you can get him to be a stud Victor Hedman style defenseman that could log that many minutes and then Dalene is also there i mean him playing on the right side i am very interested in the future if he and power can can hook up as like a super pairing um i don't know if i i don't need that to happen next year but maybe two, three, four years down the road, like someday when those two are both at their peaks and Darlene is playing full time on his offside on the right, just those two, the idea of those two logging 27 to 30 minutes a night and just smothering the other team and every pass is clean and both can jump up into the play and Darlene can be freed up to be do whatever he wants because he's got power back there. There's some real potential. And the strength of this team, if they're ever going to be a Stanley Cup contender, not just a playoff contender. Right now, the way you would envision them becoming a Stanley Cup contender is those two leading the way. Dominant blue line for sure. Like yeah. I think that's that seems to be the mold they're going for, where they're going to have like four good lines and this this back end with a like a, a flashy puck mover and then like Owen Power, who's the big guy that can do it all. Um, so. Yeah. Like yeah, I think like that this blue line makes me super op- optimistic, um, especially since Darlene showed everything that he did this year. Yeah. Um, final thing I'll throw out on Darlene: uh, the Vance numbers. I kind of threw them out there without context earlier. The Corsi four percentage for Darlene was fifty point one percent last year. Rasmus Ristolainen, who was the Sabers' number one defenseman uh, two years ago, Darlene was this year. Corsi, 4% for Ristolainen, 43.5%. Darlene was 7 percentage points better. 7. And the expected goals for Ristolainen was 44%. Darlene was 3% better. And that's a big... 3% even is a lot. The 7% is a massive, massive improvement from Risto to Darlene of the guy playing the most minutes. Um, So, huge season for him. And I echo what Jordan said. Hopefully, we can get a Norris-level... season out of him should see the nhl awards real quick because we got to run here but uh austin matthews wins the heart trophy that Fair. was announced tonight 60 something goal yeah uh we had uh igor shesterkin win the vesna that was fair yeah. the the only award that was very interesting in terms of the voting was the norris kale mccarr wins the norris with 1631 points roman yossi comes in second with 1,606 points. Yossi, though, had more first-place votes. So Makar wins the Norris, but Yossi had more first-place votes. Makar had way more second-place votes, which pushed him 
to the top. And I don't have a huge issue with this because I do think Makar is the best defenseman in hockey. So I would have voted for him. But tough for Roman Yossi, who had 96 points this season. That's you get great. 96 <laughs> points and don't win the Norris. That's tough. But Makar is like, was the best player, though. Like, I mean, I think yeah. Makar is the best defenseman. But if you're talking about like one year sample, like Yossi. Roman Yossi deserved the trophy. Yeah, like, like what, are the, what do the Predators have? What are, Saros is good, right? Like Saros is great, but that's the end of the list, <laughs> right? Like, what are the Predators besides yeah. like you? Roman Yossi might be the only guy I can name on the team. Yeah, well, that Matthew Shane, you should be able to do a couple. Who? Okay, <laughs> Matthew Shane, who that guy? Uh, but that was that was tough. No Sabers got any votes of any consequence that I saw. Asplin got a vote for the Selkie. A fifth place vote I saw, um, Mike. But that was pretty, uh, pretty much it. Is that Arrington? <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny. I do not know. <laughs> um, all right, we'll put a wrap, put a bow on today's episode. We uh, encourage you to like and subscribe us on YouTube, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Sneaky Joe Sports. Jordan's at Jr. Hanskin. Thanks everybody for listening to Locked On Sabers, making us your first listen every day. If you want more NHL awards talk, head over to Locked On NHL. They cover the playoffs and the NHL awards like no others. you got cup final and NHL awards. Check it out. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts.